So you're going to be a starving artist. Have you considered something more, you know, practical? How will you make money? Why not get an MBA instead? We've all heard it before. Your family's well-meaning pleas with you to ditch your art and find something practical to pursue in your career, whatever that means. During practical advice for impractical pursuits, students in MSU's Arts, Cultural Management, and Museum Studies program will explore stories from industry professionals across arts and culture, arming you with the knowledge you need to not just make it, but thrive. Hi, my name is Allison Wren. I am a senior here at Michigan State studying advertising management, and I'm getting a minor in arts and cultural management. And I am joined today with my lovely co-host, Allison John. Hi, my name is Allie John. I'm also a senior at Michigan State University. I am a marketing major, and I have a minor in arts and cultural management as well, hence why we're on this podcast. Allie and I are super excited to bring you today's episode that's going to focus all on social media management for Broadway and audience engagement through social media with our special guest, Mary Regis. Allie and I are super excited to introduce our special guest that we have with us here today, Mary Regis. Mary, thank you, first of all, so much for being here with us today. Absolutely. I'm so excited. This is, I've actually truly like done a lot of like talks, conversations, things like that. Never a podcast. You guys are my first. We're so excited to be here first try at this. So if you want to take a minute to introduce yourself to everybody, tell us what you do. Yeah. Um, so my name is Mary. Uh, I work specifically, you know, I, I went to school for marketing and um, engagement and things like that. Uh, and it skewed a little bit towards like social media and things uh, with a minor in musical theater because I love Broadway and the like. So I wound up working once I graduated, I went to SUNY Geneseo in case anyone has ever heard of it. You likely have not unless you are from the state of New York. The SUNY schools are state schools. They're awesome and wonderful. And so like I said, I minored in marketing communication with a minor in musical theater. And after I graduated, I lived in my hometown for a couple of years and then started uh, working for Broadway shows, which was super fun. And I mean, I'll go all the way into it. But I've worked for Harry Potter and Little Shop and Once on this Island and was able to, after a couple of different companies, create a place for like my own specific career that I came up with with the help of a couple other people I like will never claim ownership over this idea but um, I will claim ownership over the development of it I'm very proud of uh, where I took it that's always what's impressed me most about like what you've talked about with your career is that you did it yourself and like you saw opportunities um so why don't you talk about a little bit about what you do and how you went about creating the job for yourself for those different shows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, after many iterations of the title, I now call the job um, the audience engagement manager. And it's a role that brings in the concept that your audience is your greatest advertiser for the show. And so what it does is it takes in the idea that social media is heavily underutilized in the Broadway sphere. You know, it, it is in terms of an advertising tool, it's only something that's come on the scene in the last like 10 years. And as somebody that spent those last 10 years, like in my twenties, it was very evident to me, you know, the way that if you're not young and on the cusp of things, it was really easy to like miss the social sector and sort of like see how we can take advantage of it. In 2017, I was hired on the show once on this Island in a role they had then called the audience concierge. And it was, 
a role created by Ken Davenport. I want to give him all the credit in the world. He came up with this idea, I think, along with a couple other people from different producing offices. They worked a lot with Hunter Arnold's office as well, which was another co-producer on Once on this Island. And they'd had the role for Godspell back in like 2010. And they called this girl Godspell Girl. And she was the one that wound up training me because she still works for Hunter Arnold's office. She's amazing and so wonderful. And when they were coming up with my title, they were like, well, we don't can't call you Island Girl. That feels weird. <laughs> I was like, yeah, please don't call me Island Girl. They changed the name to be the audience concierge. But she had been so iconic as Godspell Girl. It was such a thing. So um, they wanted to keep in vain with the same idea. But also, you know, that was like... 2010 and yes they were utilizing audience engagement then but even then you know social media was so much you know less so on the scene I'm like I didn't even get an Instagram until 2012 like it was just like a crazy so I don't have an, a window into what she did with the role but um what they asked me to do in 2017 for Island was uh, host a lottery so for like the cheaper tickets before the show um and then I would interact and engage with the audience members as they all walked in which was so fun and amazing I would stand in the lobby and get to just like talk to people for like 45 minutes it was so fun um they set me up at like a photo booth which was great because we were able to capture content and the idea is that if a person in the audience posts about the show it goes out to all of their followers which are likely people who either didn't know the show existed or you know like twofold would love to come and see the show and I was able to yell out the hashtag and give people real time you know like a really like high touch way of having people feel connected to the show so that they would be more likely to post about us and talk about us. And it really did increase audience engagement. And then after the show, and this was the role, this is the part of the role that I sort of adapted on my own. I had had a, you know, I worked at Spotco in Broadway marketing for a bit. I worked at Roundabout Theater in events management and as well as the regional theater upstate. And so with all of that, you know, five, six years of work combined, I was like, you need somebody in, if you imagine that each show is its own event, you need a human there running social media at that event from start to finish. So I would cover the end of the show so that the company manager didn't have to stay and get the picture when the celebrity comes or when the co-producer wants to bring his family. I can give them a backstage tour and give them like a really um, personalized engagement moment so that, you know, the show that they're already proud of working on, they're now posting it to, you know, all of their friends. And yeah, they're going to be talking about it, but it really increased the ability to like show what the people were doing and capture some great photos um, so that it like it, it paints the picture so much better. And so I adapted that role for, you know, as I went on in my career, but it's been a really cool process to see how that like gains traction online. I always love hearing about the things that you do for audience engagement and like the different things that you guys have especially done. <laughs> Allie and I, that's where we met Mary, um, was in New York seeing Little Shop and Allie and I were just looking at photos and there's a photo that we're pretty sure like you took of her before the show. And we're like, wait a minute. We took that. Yeah. Our next question is, um, why is audience engagement important on social media? Sure. Well, yeah, this is a little bit what I was talking about, too, is just that, like, I always use it in comparison to, you know, the producers will spend so much money on, like, a billboard in Times Square or so much money on, like, a New York Times ad. And I just am, like, people's eyes are on social all the time. Our eyes are constantly in our phone. And so is it even worth it to put that ad in the New York Times when if you could literally get a photo of even just half of the audience members and have them all posting. If you imagine that an audience, a Broadway audience is at least 500 seats. I think Circle in the Square has, you know, like 700, but like the, 
the parameter for being a Broadway house that has to have more than 500. So like, let's imagine 250 of those people post to their what thousand followers on Instagram. Like that is, it's literally so many impressions. It's like 250,000 impressions is wild. And just to have one human in your theater a week, like that is, that is so worth the weekly investment of like, and you know, that person does so much more too. So I just, I'm like, let me just leave you with stats. It just makes sense. Like, I don't know. I always post my Instagram stories at any theater I'm at. Just, you know, I want to see who else is going, I'm going this day, I'm going that day. Like, go see this. Yeah, and really creating opportunities for that, I think is so important. Oh, yes. In a time where, you know, audience engagement has to be very safe, and even if there is any, where do you foresee audience engagement for theater in general and on social media heading in the future for the arts? That's such a, I love that question um, because it speaks to the necessary. I'm like, I don't, I'm not to criticize the protocols and rules of like the actual Broadway theater space, but it does speak to, you know, the limitations that there are once you have this role. There's so many different approvals. There's so many different, like, I don't, I don't want to say roadblocks. Roadblocks feels wrong because like, you know, there is a way to get anything done. Um, but because most of these houses or all of these houses, Broadway shows are union houses. So we're working with rules of not only the theater owners, but we're working with the rules of unions. And so like, you know, I want to put up a step and repeat to capture better photos with the logo. But what that takes is reaching out to the company manager so that they can reach out to the theater owner and make sure it's okay with the union worker. And that actually costs money because in a union house, you can only... I can't even pick something up and move it as somebody that is not a part of local one. So you have to actually book that hour of time for the stagehand to move that extra thing. And so like, it is, it is so necessary for like safety precautions and things like that. But in terms of this role, so many things that happen with this role are immediate. So it's creating, it's creating an environment at a Broadway house that makes it so that I can offer, you know, whoever is operating in this role can operate freely but also safely and also, you know, within protocol. I didn't even think about the union aspect, what you do. Yeah. So in my brain, I'm sorry, just to like make sure I've answered your question. Moving in the future, I, I genuinely think a lot more theaters are going to have to adapt in that kind of way, making sure that like when you're thinking about the show, you're actually thinking about where you're going to put the audience engagement like center where you're going to have the person standing like what the route is if they're doing a backstage tour because so many different shows I've worked on it happens a little bit like last minute or things like just because this is a new thing and you know it kind of comes up as on like an as needed basis and I think what's going to wind up happening is that the marketing team is going to wind up coming in saying things like great and so how are you operating in terms of making sure that people are safely getting backstage how are you operating making sure that um, there's an audience activation in the theater, you know? No, you're just Yeah, that's all really interesting. Because um, I personally, I'm the first of an installment of an audience engagement role at our Wharton Center for Performing Arts here at MSU. And I know firsthand how much running around you have to do, making sure the artists are there on time, if we have like a pre-show talk, things like that. So I can't even imagine like having to set up in union houses like that, any sort of protocols. And I imagine it's a lot of emailing, a lot of trying to find the right person. So that must be pretty taxing. (laughs) Yes. And, and so much of it is just like, it's just going to take more forethought. 
which is totally fine and amazing. I'm like, how great to, to be able to think more strategically about this now, because so much of what I've done in the past uh, couple of years has been as needed. And it's been like, oh my gosh, and this cool new idea happened. Let's do it. And now I think there's an incredible opportunity now that we've proven the need for this to once a show is announced and being set up to be able to say like, yeah, and this is how we're going to implement the best structure for, you know, like highest impressions, um, most photos taken, you know, like what, what are we going to do to really activate our audience and make sure every single person is talking about us online? Um, and I mean, like you think about Beetlejuice and what uh, Presley Ryan was able to do with TikTok. I think that's incredible. And I think having, you know, she is, they were so lucky that she is, you know, a younger person who has been, you know, like immersed in like the TikTok world. You know, I, I only just learned how to use it in the last like nine months because of COVID, but like seeing how that built Beetlejuice's presence and seeing how that kept Beetlejuice going significantly longer than I think a lot of the books um, and people looking at projections thought it would, I think it's such a cool uh, case study that will fall into play for multiple shows to come. I completely agree. <laughs> I'm blown away every time I think about that. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I had never listened to the soundtrack before, and we went to see it in New York, but I only knew of it because of Presley Ryan and wow. seeing it on TikTok. That's so cool. Never was. Her impact. <laughs> I was like, Truly, oh, yeah. It's that one trend. <laughs> um, we kind of talk about how the arts industry is older demographic and it is aging. And using TikTok and social media, especially with Presley Ryan, brings in a younger audience. How do you foresee social media strategy um, for theater like houses anywhere, bringing accessibility and like diversity and inclusion into spaces where it hasn't really been accessible before? Well, uh, what's so interesting is I think that's, that, that sort of falls into play with it's going to impact ticket sales or in ticket sale pricing. Um, because if you've got a younger audience coming in, then you have to actually make some of the tickets a little bit more accessible. Um, and this was something that was so doable if the audience is like, you know, we talk about the traditional uh, statistic, well, like Broadway audience as being a female age is like 35 to 60. And that is like the typical Broadway audience that you are seeking out. And they have the disposable income to pay 200 bucks each for a ticket and, you know, make that date night. Um yeah, looking at the way that, you know, Broadway has been able to reach. I mean, look at that Ratatouille, the musical stuff. I could talk about that, you know, over and over. It was a New York Times article. I saw that. Like, that is... Yes, Playbill posting about it, everything. <laughs> correct. And for that, for that to have started from young people, I'm like, that is... I mean, did you see, actually, Ken Davenport made a, uh, a TikTok about how he wanted to be the producer. I keep, and I followed him. Yeah, and so what that does is it brings, it brings, like, and he created his TikTok because of this. And so what that does is that takes, you know, this older generation that has been running Broadway for years and brings them more into the social space and brings them into this area that allows them to connect with younger people. And so what I... What I genuinely think might happen is more like rush ticket options and things like that, or, you know, more of like a younger people's club in the way that like today ticks exist and the way that, um, you know, different, different options for like rush and lotteries and things like that might need to expand a little bit. Um, and granted that it is so difficult because the flip side of that is that um, Broadway show pricing is so specific because they base their budgets off of selling the audience out completely. 
at those higher ticket prices. So I think it will take a restructuring. It'll either take a restructuring of ticket pricing or it will take a direct market strategy that is kids, you have to tell your parents you want to go. We are great to market to because we're like, for Christmas, you have such a hard time shopping for us. Yes. How about that? True. Well, when, when you look at it too, you know, there are, there is like an audience that is specifically accessible for Broadway as it is, like Jersey Tri-State, you know, like, um, and so will it, does it mean, you know, like marketing differently to tourism? Does it mean, you know, marketing to, because I mean, you say for Christmas, but like, yeah, that, you know, because you're going to plan a whole New York City trip around that. And I think, I really think it will affect the way that, you know, they um, advertise in their, to like their tourist markets. That's such a good point. Um, okay. We have one final question. What advice do you have for students who are considering a career in arts management or arts marketing? Absolutely. My advice is always the same thing. And it's going to be literally just say yes to stuff and put yourself in the middle of the stuff that's going on. You know, I, I graduated school and I had a job that was in theater and it was totally in the world. It was perfect on my resume and looked great. And I was applying to New York jobs and I'd had this job for two years. I was like, perfect. I'm, I'm a shoe in for entry level things. And could not get an interview. I had one interview. I interviewed once at second stage and didn't, didn't even get hired. Like it was for Broadway. They want you in the city. They want to see that you are there and they want to see that you are ready tomorrow. And, you know, I moved to the city with no job and wound up hired as an intern at Spotco within three weeks because you make yourself available. You tell everyone that you are free. You tell everyone what your skill set is. You tell everyone what you can do. You call people, you email people. And somebody, somebody will have a need for something because Broadway is such an industry of like, right now this needs to happen. And if it doesn't happen, if you don't do it, somebody else will. Mary, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And I know Allie and I, for sure, every time we learn a lot from you, and I bet everybody out there listening um, is really excited now to hopefully find a career in arts marketing. Yeah. Um, can I, I'm like, can I plug two things really quickly? Yeah, always. Amazing. Oh my God. I'm going to plug three things. I'm so sorry. Follow me on social. It's sugary Ram. <laughs> sugary Ram. Um, I also work for a nonprofit. If you are a high school student listening, um, this nonprofit is interested in getting high school students and specifically high school females involved in backstage technical theater. So if you are looking at a job, like I mentioned, all of those union jobs that are the only ones that are allowed to move things in these theaters, that's exactly what this um, nonprofit does and it gives opportunities to students to learn about like uh, crew and stage management and things like that. Um, it's brilliant. It's free. It's awesome. So look up Open Stage Project. It's, uh, the handle is at Open Stage NYC. Um, and since everything shut down, I have started a company with a couple of my friends called Virtual Broadway. Um, and we are bringing Broadway to the online space. And specifically, we've been working more with companies um, but check us out. It's virtualbway.com or it's at Virtual Broadway. Thank you for letting me plug all my things. Thank you for being here with us. This has been Practical Advice for Impractical Pursuits, a Michigan State University arts, culture, management, and museum studies podcast. Thank you to our program director, K.F. Latham, and Michigan State University College of Arts and Letters for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the official entities of Michigan State University. 
To hear more episodes and learn how Michigan State is training future arts administrators to manage with compassion and care, visit artsmuseumsmanagement.cal.msu.edu forward slash podcast.